Welcome to Lakut Sichis, Project Lakut Sichis, Chelik Yud Gimel, Masei Beis, page 122. This is actually the very last Sicha of Chelik Yud Gimel. So those that learned the whole Krach will be making a Siyam in Yitzhashem here this week on the entire Chelik. Ala Posik, Tzav, Ezbenei Yisrov, Marta Leim Geimer. This is the land that will fall for you as a portion. This is the land and its borders. So the Teireh in this week's Parsha and Parsha's Masay tells us the borders of all the sides of Eretz Yisrael. Farish Rashi, so Rashi here explains, on these words, Rashi says, There are many mitzvahs. They could only be performed in Eretz Yisrael. And they can't be performed outside Eretz Yisrael. So the Torah has to tell us the lines of the borders of all the sides of Eretz Yisrael. To let you know, that within these borders is where all these mitzvahs that are only in Eretz Yisrael can be fulfilled. Outside, you don't have those mitzvahs. So Rashi is seemingly just telling us the purpose of the Torah, telling us the borders of the land of Eretz Yisrael. Why does the Torah have to let us know the exact borders? So Rashi says the purpose is to know where the mitzvahs that are done only, only in Eretz Yisrael can be fulfilled. If that's the case, the Rebbe says we have the following questions. Aleph, first question is, How does Rashi know this? Rashi explains everything in the Pshat of the Pasuk. The only reason the Torah is telling us the borders of Eretz Yisrael, even before the Yidin conquered the land, so that Eden should know a while later, after they will conquer the land, to conquer the land, it took the Eden seven years to conquer the land fully. So the Torah is telling them now, many years before, what's going to be relevant for them, many years later, what are the places, that the mitzvahs that can be performed only in Eretz Yisrael. Well, how does Rashi know that's the pshat? It's... Unlikely that Abish is saying something now that will only be relevant much, much later in time. Halebepashtos, simply you would say the Psharir is Hutzrach, Lichtev, Gvuleya Oretz, Vinigeya, Inyana Kibishatsmai. The Tate is telling them now to know the borders of Eretz Yisrael, to know regarding the land that they're going to be conquering. What exactly? Are they going to be conquering? to know What are the borders? How far should they be conquering of Eretz Yisrael? That's something which is relevant right now, and that's a simple shot of the Pasik of why they didn't have to know the borders. So why is Rashi telling us that the Eibishter is telling the Yidin the borders? Only because of the mitzvahs that they have to perform in Eretz Yisrael. Based, the second question here is, if you look into the words of Rashi, Rashi seems to be saying this in a very long-handed way. What's the, the length and the, the redundancy in the words of Rashi? Many mitzvahs are only performed in Eretz Yisrael. And then Rashi adds, 
and they can't be performed out of, out of Eretz Yisrael. It's pretty obvious. I mean, if it could only be performed inside Eretz Yisrael, so it can't be performed outside Eretz Yisrael. And then Rashi adds even more. And inside these borders, that's where the mitzvahs could be performed. Again, Rashi repeats it again. Rashi should have said in short, concisely, Many mitzvahs could only be performed in Eretz Yisrael. So the Teda tells me the lines of the borders around to know where the mitzvahs could be fulfilled. That's all. The, the whole redundancy, the rest of Rashi's words are l'chayda, not necessary. Gimel, another question here is, Rashi is coming to explain the reason why the Torah tells us the borders. What's the relevance of these borders? If that's what Rashi is coming to address, so it's understood, Rashi's Pirish is coming to explain, and primarily, the word, the borders. What's the relevance of the borders? Which only comes at the end of the Pasik. However, Rashi is saying his pshat on these words. They're not as important for the pshat that Rashi is saying. The word, the borders, which is the main thing Rashi is addressing. What's the relevance of these borders? The words of Rashi refers to this. That Rashi just hints by writing V'gaymer, referring to the end of the Pasik. Why did Rashi not bring the word G'vuleiseho and say his pshat on that word to explain the relevance of the borders? The Rebbe always teaches us in a Rashi that the Dibra Maschal of the Rashi, the words Rashi chooses to bring from the Chumash, is the key to understanding what it is about the Pasik that Rashi is coming to address. And as we'll see here, the same is true as well. Achakach, moving on in the same posseg in the next Rashi. Maitik Rashi has a teva is Rashi brings the two words of tipo lachem from the posseg, and he explains. Al-shem because the way they divided the portions of the land was done with a geirel, with a lottery, nikras chaluka loshenefila. The terminology used here in the posseg that it will fall to you, the terminology is used because that's how it's done with a geidel. When, when the, um, you take the pieces of paper for the geidel and you place them down, sort of, into a pot or into a plate, and that's how you make the geidel. So the expression of tipoil, of the fall, is used in connection to the geidel, to the lottery. That's the pshat of the word tipoil here. In the medrash it says that the meaning of tipoil is not something else. Al yidei shehipula kodesh baruchu. The Abishter brought down the ministers of seven, or actually the Rebbe says perhaps 70, of the seven or 70, here the Rebbe says it says 70 in other places, but we're talking about the seven nations in Eretz Yisrael. The Abishter brought them down, the and he subdued all of them in front of Moshe. And the Abishter says to him, Look, they have no energy to fight against you. I have subdued them all under your control. That's what Tipoil over here means, the Abishter showing Meisha Rabbeinu that the Yidin will be able to conquer Eretz Yisrael. So what's the simple pshat of this Rashi? The Pashtus, Kavanasa Shal Rashi Yashiv Haloshen Tipoil As we can clearly see, Rashi is addressing these two words, Tipoil which is 
unusual seemingly, that the land will fall to you. What does this mean, that the land will fall to you? What's the term of falling regarding the land that Eden, that Eden will inherit or conquer? And Rashi explains, the Tupshatim, Either al shemshin is chalke begayrol nikras lashin nefila. It's because of the gayrol, and then the second shot as well. So Rashi is coming to explain the term of falling. V'tzarech lahavin. So here the Rebbe has two basic questions. Number one, Aleph lepirish Rashi. The way Rashi explains it. So aretz ashetipayl lachem. So what does Rashi say? What does this mean? Hainishin is chalke al yedei apolas gayrol. It's divided by throwing down, throwing the lottery. Dova shaloi huske because of zeh. Is, it, is there any hint about a lottery, about a geidel that was done here in this Pasik? No. So if so, why not interpret the words in its simple meaning? This is the land that's going to fall to you. What does that mean? The land, that this land will fall into your possession. That the Abishu will give you the portion of the land as, an, as, a, as a possession. Of course, we don't physically mean that the land falls. The land doesn't fall anywhere. But it will fall into your hands, that you'll conquer the lands in your possession. That's a pretty easy way out to explain the Pesach. Explaining it in this way, the term nefila, falling, can be used even regarding the land itself. Just as Rashi employs this term of nefila regarding the geidel. Right? Even though a geidel is not about an afili either. But the way the geidel happens is you throw the lottery. So the same thing over here we could say regarding the land itself. In the simple pshat that the land will be thrown into your possession. So why does Rashi have to go away from the simple pshat of the Pasik? Bays, another basic problem here is, as usual when Rashi brings two interpretations, Lama mevi Rashi pirisheni mi medrash Why does Rashi bring a second pshat from the medrash? Rashi only brings a second pshat, not because Rashi is a compilation of medrashim. Rashi brings a second pshat only if there's some difficulty with the first pshat he brought. In this case, the pshat that he brings from the medrash, about the Abish bringing down the ministers, the malachim of the seven nations to, and the, in front of Moshe, is far from the simple pshat of the Pasik. So, what detail here in the meaning of the Pasik will be better understood according to the second Pshat? That's not understood according to the first Pshat that the land was divided by lottery, and that's the term of Tipa. So, those are the questions that we have here on these Rashis. First, the Rebbe is addressing the first Rashi what's Bachlal, the point of the borders? So, Rashi tells us the point of the borders are for the mitzvahs. So the Rebbe tries to understand, where does Rashi in the simple pshat of the Pasuk come to such a conclusion? Why does Rashi not want to say that you need to know the borders, to know how far they're going to be conquering the land, to, to uh, strategize regarding coming and conquering the land? And in the second uh, Rashi, again, Rashi also goes away from the simple pshat, Rashi does not say that it refers simply to the land that will fall into their possession. Why does Rashi create a new pshat and even bring a second pshat? Because, um, so the pshat over here and all of this is as follows. If the intention of the Abish to telling the Eden about the borders of the land was so the Eden should simply know 
what's part of the Eretz Yisrael, the land that they were promised that they're going to be conquering, and that's part of the area that they have to conquer, what's outside those borders, and therefore they won't be conquering this. If it's just that, that the Abishter intends with letting the Yidin know regarding conquering the land, so then the Pasuk should have used a much shorter Lashen, should have simply said, this is your portion, these are the borders. The Sulay, that's it. So that when it's the Pasuk adds and says, that will fall to you, the Torah is explaining how it's going to be granted to you. And the Torah also describes how it's going to be granted, and that is that it falls into your possession. What is the meaning when you say to somebody, this is going to fall into your possession? It means, what we're focusing on over here is that this comes to you without any effort of your own. It just falls into your possession. That's the way the Torah chooses to describe how the Eden are going to get the land. So the Torah is not focusing on the portion of the land that the Eden are going to conquer, what the Eden are going to do in order to conquer the land. The Torah chooses to add these words which are totally extra. And what does it describe it as? It's going to fall into your possession. It's going to happen without anything on your part. It's a gift and it falls like from heaven. It falls into your possession. This detail, that it's a gift from the Eivishter, that it falls into your possession, is not at all relevant if all the Pasik was telling you over here is that you didn't have to know up until where are the boundaries that they're going to be conquering the land. Rather, the Pasik is focusing on the Eivishter, that he chose to give it as a gift to the Yidin. If so, had a mochach, if that's what the Pasuk is focusing on, so it's clear, Mizeh, from this, There's another detail here that the Teda wants us to know about the borders of the land, which is relevant for the Abish's choice to give the land to the Eden. Why did he choose to give that it should fall into the hands of the Eden? The obligation for Yidin to be aware and know what the borders of the land is. It has to be something that's relevant for the choice that the Eivishter made to give the Yidin this gift. It's not just about the borders that the Yidin are going to be conquering, but it's, it's Tipoilachem. The Pasuk here is coming to tell us something that's relevant to the Eivishter's gift that comes from above. Why is the Eivishter giving us this gift? That's one detail that Ash is coming to address. Nice of Alzeh, that ever points out another detail here. Kosha Kitsas, there's somewhat of a question here. In Neymar, if we would accept the simple pshat of the Pasik, the superficial simple pshat of the Pasik, which is, that the reason the Torah lets us know the borders of the land is, just to let you know what to strategize, what is the portions of the land, what is the borders of the land that you didn't have to conquer. That's the case. Isn't this something that's relevant to say to Yeshua? We already learned before. Moshe Rabbeinu will not be leading the Eden into the land. Yeshua is the one that ultimately came with the Eden and led the Eden into Eretz Yisrael. He's the one that conquered the land. So it's to Yeshua that this command is relevant, knowing to, to, to know what you have to conquer in the land. 
So why is this being said here and now to Moshe Rabbeinu? Now the Rebbe clarifies what he means to say by this. Hainu. In other words, Sha'afalpi, although it would be understood, Sha'adibur, that this that Abish is speaking here about the borders of the land, even if it's speaking about these borders as it's relevant to conquering the land, Dibris, like everything else that Abish says, Hoya the Abish says everything to Maisha, and as the Rebbe brings in the Ha'ara 13, that even those things that are relevant to Aaron or to others, Meisha, the Abish speaks to Maisha Rabbeinu, and Maisha Rabbeinu repeats it to Aaron Akain. But nevertheless, the Pasuk here should have said, when the Abish speaks to Maisha, the Abish should have said to Maisha, Tzavis Yeshua. This is something that you should command Yeshua about. This is relevant to Yeshua. For him to know the borders of the land that he will be conquering. Why was Moshe here commanded Tzav as B'nai Yisrael? That the borders are relevant and he should tell all the Eden about these borders. Tzav as B'nai Yisrael if it's about conquering the land, this is not something which is relevant to every single one of the Yidin. As the Rebbe points out in the, in the Ha'ara, for the most that would be relevant to the rest of Yidin would be to those that are going out, to those generals of the army that have to strategize how to conquer the land. It's important to include them in this as well. But why is the Abish just speaking to all of Klal Yisrael? He's telling Moshe, repeat this, relate this to all of Yidin, if it's just about conquering the land. He should be speaking to Yeshua or to the generals of the army, not to all of Klal Yisrael. So that's another Kitzas Kasha that ever says, somewhat of a question here on the Pasik. So therefore Rashi tells us, the Masha Hutzrach Lichtoid Matsrone Gvule Ruchisea Saviv. The reason the Torah is telling us the lines of the borders around Eretz Yisrael, that's all the details of where the border runs. This is for the purpose of the mitzvahs that will be fulfilled only in the land. All Yidin have to know the borders to know where the obligation of the mitzvah applies. So as the Rebbe said before, in other words, we're not talking about the Yidin only, about the Yidin conquering the land and knowing what the borders are, but it uses the term tipoil, which is the gift that the Eibishter gives, and the Pasuk here is using this term tipoil, the gift, to tell us that these borders are relevant to explain the choice of the Eibishter to give this gift to Yidin. He's giving the gift to the Yidin for the Yidin to fulfill the mitzvahs there. That's why the Torah is telling us the borders there. And this also answers the second uh, point that the Rebbe raised here. Why is the Abish speaking to all Yidin and not to Yeshua? And not telling Moshe to speak to Yeshua? So now we understand why the Abish speaks specifically to Moshe to tell him the borders. Just as it is with all mitzvahs and all their details. Including those mitzvahs that could only be fulfilled in Eretz Yisrael. They were, they were said, and they were given over to Yidin, all through Meshe Rabbeinu. So, so the same is true now that we know that the borders are not just for conquering Eretz Yisrael, but it's connected to the Tipei Lechem, the Abishra's purpose in giving this land, to fulfill the mitzvahs there. Prat, so this is all details of how and when the space of where you fulfill the mitzvahs. 
So this detail as well, the borders is not simply talking about the physical line of the borders. It's talking about the space where the mitzvahs are fulfilled. It's a detail in a mitzvah. It's a detail in a mitzvah. All mitzvahs were taught to Yidin through Meish Yuvan. So now based on this we can understand the key, the Dibra Maschal of the Rashi. Why does Rashi not bring the word from the Pasik? So the answer is, The main pshat of Rashi, The Torah is telling you the lines of the borders, that it wasn't only for the purpose of knowing where they're going to conquer. It's for the purpose of even to know where the mitzvahs will be. What brings Rashi to this conclusion? It's from these words, as we explained before. Rashi wouldn't bring the word and explain this. The word there's no problem with that word. Simply, is just telling us the physical borders to know where they're going to conquer the land. But when the Torah writes, that it's the Eibishter giving it to them, it falls into their possession from the Eibishter, that's what leads us to this new pshat, that the borders of Eretz Yisrael are relevant for the fulfillment of the mitzvahs in the land. Beautiful. So now the Rebbe comes and explains the ariches of Rashi's Lashen, as the Rebbe pointed out, Rashi speaks in, in terms that seems to be redundant. But there's a question that still remains here. There was land on the other side of the Yarden, on the west of the Yarden, before they crossed into Eretz Yisrael. The Eden conquered this territory as well. It also became a land that belonged to the Eden. As we learned before in Parshish Matos, it's part of the inheritance, it's part of the portion of the land of Yidin, from Shevet God and Reuven. Just like the other Shvatim received their portion on the other side of the Yarden, so B'nai God and Reuven received their portion on this, this side of the Yarden before they even crossed over. If that's the case, so the borders here of this portion should also be clarified to know where the Shvatim that are here on this side of the yard and where, where they're going to be fulfilling the mitzvahs. So if the Rashi is telling us that the only reason the Taita tells us these borders is to clarify the place of the mitzvahs, so then it's incomplete. What's with the place that they conquered and they have here on this side of the Yarden? They have to know where is the mitzvahs that they have to fulfill. What are the borders of the place that they fulfill the mitzvahs here? So, according to Rashi's pshat, this question comes up. If you would learn the simple pshat, that the only reason that tells us about the borders is to know in the future where they're going to be conquering the land, that's not relevant for the space here in Eivar Yarden, which they already conquered. But according to Rashi, that the Torah is only telling us the borders to know the place where they're going to fulfill the mitzvahs, so to complete that story of where the mitzvahs are fulfilled, you have to also include Eivar Ayarden as well. So to answer this, Rashi adds and emphasizes, but he doesn't stop there. 
We're talking here about mitzvahs that are not relevant, cannot be fulfilled outside Eretz Yisrael. It's only within these borders of Eretz Yisrael, on the eastern side of the Yardin, that's where the mitzvahs can be fulfilled. So what Rashi is telling us with this is, According to simple pshat of the Pasik, In fact, only within Eretz Yisrael, on the other side of the Yardin, is where all the mitzvahs of Eretz Yisrael apply. Not outside Eretz Yisrael. What's Rashi coming to clarify? Not even in the Eber Yarden either, although to some extent they were conquered by the Eden and L'chayrer had some kind of a status of Eretz Yisrael to some extent, but nevertheless, in Pshutay Shal Mikra, the mitzvahs Hanayag is Ba'aretz is only in Eretz Yisrael itself and not in Eber Yarden. In the Ha'ara, in Ha'ara 20, there's a lengthy uh, discussion or in many modern mechaimists that the Rebbe points to, that al-derech ha-halache, it's not so poshet. It depends, different opinions, Rebbe brings from Rashi himself about this, and others that discuss this, regarding the relevance of mitzvahs hanoyeg is ba'aretz and eivara yarden. But in the pshat of the Pasik, since the Eivish is telling us these borders in Eretz Yisrael, only to know where the mitzvahs are to be performed, and it doesn't tell us anything about the borders in eivara yarden, so we must say that in eivara yarden, these mitzvahs can't be fulfilled. That's why the Torah doesn't bring it here. Now, based on this, the Rebbe goes on to the next Rashi. I'll pick on Al Yuvam Hashem Mamshech Rashi Bipirushai. The next Rashi follows along with the same theme. Al Tipay Lachem, the Rashi of Tipay Lachem. Um Mefarish Al Shem Shneschalke BeGeirol Nekras Chalukah Loshen Nefila. Because it was done with a Geirol, so the term Nefila is used here. So the division of the land was done with a Geirol, so therefore the term Nefila is used. So based on what we learned before, the only reason the Torah is telling us here the borders, this is the place where the mitzvahs of Eretz Yisrael are fulfilled. And as we explained, what brought Rashi to this conclusion, those extra words, those unusual words that it says there, which means that it falls. It falls and comes from the Ebeshe to the Eden. This is a gift the Ebeshe is giving for this purpose to fulfill these mitzvahs. A tremendous schos, a gift for the purpose to fulfill these mitzvahs. That's the whole point over here. In Cain, so now based on this, the question arises, So why would the choice of words here, why would the Torah use this word of tipoil that it will fall to you? In the simple translation of the word nefila, that it falls to you, it is a derogatory term, that it falls to you. It's something that is not positive. Why couldn't the Torah use a more Positive term. After all, what are we trying to express here? The gift of the Yebishter, that the Yebishter gives you, and you don't have to do anything on your own. The Yebishter gives it to you as a gift, and you're going to be fulfilling mitzvahs there. And the Torah did not say, in a more appropriate Lashen, It'll be raised up for you. Similar to what it says when Avram Avinu buys the field for the Maris HaMachpela in Parashas Chayisara, when he buys, when he acquires the field, the field was elevated. The status of the field was elevated that it entered into Avram's possession. So why don't we say the same thing here? That the Ebishter will be Ashetokum Lechem. The Ebishter will elevate the status of the land 
in order to fulfill mitzvahs there. Why use this term tipoil when we're trying to express the gift that the Ebeshti gives Yidin? So the Rebbe clarifies again that this is only a question according to the way Rashi explains the Pasuk. If we were to say that the Torah here is telling us the borders of the land, just to know technically up until where they're going to be conquering the land, so then we were to say, we could say, the term tipal here just means that it's going to fall into your possession. So, in other words, according to the simple pshat, before Rashi comes along and clarifies what the pshat is, we would say that the Torah is not coming to talk about the special gift of Hashem, the special schus to do a mitzvah. It's talking about where you're going to be conquering. So it uses that possession. Like when you conquer something, you conquer it from your enemies and it falls into your possession. So the term tipoil is appropriate. We already said before that that's not what tipo lechem means. I've explained before already that tipo lechem are extra words. It's not necessary for Taylor to write this at all. And therefore we say that the term tipo lechem is talking about something that comes from the Eibishter. That the Eibishter will give you this gift that will fall into your possession. If so, that it's coming from the Eibishter. It's a special designated place for these mitzvahs that are fulfilled only in the land. So then, so then the question comes up, as we said before, Why would the Torah choose such an expression? of falling, that it will fall into your possession, the opposite of what you would expect when you talk about a gift and the holiness of the land and the greatness of the land, that you can fulfill mitzvahs there, using the term of kima, of aliyah, that the land will be raised up, the land will be elevated. Why this terminology? So to answer this question, Mefarish Rashi, Rashi explains, we have to say that this choice of words, will fall to you, since they divided the land with a geidel, this term is appropriate because it's used when you make a geidel. The term tipoil here is not talking about the fact that he didn't get the portion of the land in general. It's referring, the term tipoil refers to the division of the land. Dividing the land, not the conquering, but the dividing of the land was through a geidel. And it's only because the dividing happened with a geidel, the Torah chooses this term in relation to the way the land was divided. That's the pshat in this term here. And in the Ha'ara, the Rebbe adds, and the way the geidel happened also expresses the gift of the Eibishter, because this was an unusual geidel. This was a geidel that happened with Ruach HaKadosh, that the voice of the Eibishter spoke through the geidel. So therefore, it's a continuation of this gift that the Eibishter gives. Ah, But now the Rebbe will explain why Rashi has to bring a second pshat. The problem with this pshat is... The first section of this parasha, which this Pasuk is speaking about, about the borders of the land, is talking about the entire land. It's not talking about the details of the division of the land for the different shvatim. 
Kiyim al kibush eretz kanan kula, the borders of conquering the entire land. She nachlas kol Yisrael. This is the inheritance for all Yidden. Vagvulais hem shebein klolus eretz Yisrael v'chutzlaret. The border that separates generally eretz Yisrael from chutzlaret. Not the borders between one shevet or another. Vimkein eichav shaloyma. When the Teire here uses this expression of Tipoil, Lachem, who's the Lachem? Lachol Yisrael, in the simple Pshat, it's talking about all Yidin, the Teire is using this term Tipoil in connection to the division of the land with each Shevet, what each Shevet received. But that's not the theme of what the Teire is talking about over here. The Torah talks about it later in the continuation of the parsha, but not over here. So why would the Torah use this term of tipoil, which is connected to the geidel and not to the uh, entire land, which is what the theme is here? Another strong question here is, still the main question that we asked, that the Torah can use a positive term, remains. Even if you're going to say that it goes on the geidel, and therefore wants to use a term for geidel, that's appropriate by geidel, it can still use a more positive term. That this is what will come up to you. It's actually a term that's used by a geidel. The contrary. Aleph number one. By the geidel in Yom Kippur, on Pashas Achre, it uses the lashon of tala, that it comes up. It's like when you make a geidel. You take out... The, the papers from the geidel, it, the, the name comes up. That's the term that could be used by a geidel as well. So even if the Teda wants to use a term that fits with a geidel, why not use a more positive term since the theme of this Pasik is expressing the gift that the Eivishter gives for Yidin to be able to fulfill mitzvahs there. Bayes another point. We're not talking about the process of making the geidel, of throwing the lot. We're talking about the lottery. We're talking about taking out the, the papers from the lottery, taking it up, taking it out, and establishing the portions of the land according to the geidel. And when does that happen? So the Rebbe is very precise about this. When do you find out the names of who gets which portion? When you take up, when you take out the papers from the geidel. Not when you throw the lottery, when you throw the papers onto the table. So it's more appropriate to use the term tala. When you take out the papers and you see the names. And the Rebbe brings a Kvapirish Rashi, Rashi already says, regarding the division of the land with the Geidel, so what's the term that Rashi there uses? The way they made the, the lottery, the way they made the Geidel was, they took out a name of a Shevet, a name of a portion of a land, and then they opened them both up, and they knew which portion he's going to receive. So what's the term Rashi uses? The term Eile. So that's the term that should have been used over here. Even if the Teda wants to hint to the Geidel, but it still should have used a positive term. Why? So the Rebbe concludes, To demonstrate with this word, the elevation and the higher status that the land is gaining by the gift that the Ebesh is giving Eden. After all, the theme of this Pasik is the gift that the Ebesh is giving Eden. And the mitzvahs that Yidin could fulfill there. Even if for whatever reason the Torah wants to hint to the Geidel as well, but it still should have chosen a term that fits into the theme of the Pasik, which is the, the Matana that the Abish is giving and elevating the land. So therefore, Rashi brings a second shot. 
So Rashi brings the Pshat from the Medrash Agada that says, Shal Yidei Shehipil HaKadosh Baruch Hu Sareyem Shal Shiva Umais the Kofson of Neymosha. The Abishah brought down the uh, ministers of the seven nations of the land in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. So this is a positive thing. The word Tipoil actually expresses what the Abishah did to allow Yidin to conquer or enable Yidin to conquer Eretz Yisrael. And now this expression of Tipoil does not only refer to the division of the land, of the Shvatim, that comes later on in the Parsha, but the word Tipoil is actually relevant for right here regarding conquering the entire land that Abishab brought down all the seven Sodom, all the seven Malachim in front of Moshe Rabbeinu to be able to conquer the entire land. That's the second shot of Rashi. However, on the other hand, it's only the second pshat. So this is not the better pshat, this is the alternative pshat. This second pshat alone would not be enough. It's far from simple pshat on the Pasuk. This is a medrish-like pshat. There is no actual hint in the Pasuk for such a thing that happened that Abish brought down the Malachim. There's the word Tipoil, because we have a problem with the word Tipoil, we interpret it this way. But it's far from simple Pshat. There's no hint to this in the simple reading of the Pasuk. That's the obvious thing that we see why Rashi brings this Pshat second. Besides this, the Rebbe says, In addition, it's very difficult in the simple Pshat of the Pasuk, to explain the word tipel this way. Aleph number one, according to this medrash, the word tipel refers to what? That Abishur brings down the minister of the, uh, of the uh, Gaim that are in the land. The tipel refers to the land, that the land falls into your possession. So it's very far from the simple shot of the Pasuk. Bays. That this is something that will happen in the future. That the Abishra already in the past has brought down the ministers of the seven nations in front of Meshach Rabbeinu. So it doesn't fit with the future tense and past tense in the language of the Pasik. Rashi brings first his first pshat. That's the main pshat of the Pasik, that the word tipoil relates to the geidel that was done in Eretz Yisrael. That concludes the pshat of the here in these two Rashis, in the Pashat pshat of the Pasik, that the Teireh here, the main theme of the Pasik is to tell the Yidin about the great gift of the Abishter of the land and the mitzvahs that they're going to be able to fulfill in the land. This is the wine of Teireh. The Chassidus that we have in this, that we could see in this Rashi. Eretz, koi al Knesset Yisrael. It says that the term land also refers to Yidin. There's a Pasuk that says, Kisiu atem Eretz Chaifetz. Yidin are the desired land. So when it says here, Vizayis ha'aretz, ashetipo lachem, that the land will fall down. According to Chassidus, we could actually use this in the simple sense that the land will fall. What does it mean a land falls? The neshama is the land, that's the Eretz Chaifetz, the Ebesh's desired land, that the neshama falls into this world. This descent of the neshama, that it enters into this world, the neshama is not going from one level to another level that is connected to where it came from. It's going to a place that's totally unrelated, that's falling into a completely different reality. The expression the Gemara uses, it's coming from a high rooftop, Libira Mikta, falling directly into a deep pit. 
That's how far the descent of the Nisham is, and even more, but this is the expression we have in our terminologies in this world. So this is the Nisham falling, so to speak, into the world. So therefore the Taita here is using this term, that the neshama of Ayid leaves its humble abode above and it falls into the reality of this world here below. Rashi is hinting to us. Why did the neshama enter in this world? What is it doing here? Or as the famous terminology that Chassidus always asks the question, Why does the neshama fall from such a high place? There are many mitzvahs to be fulfilled in the land. Here in these borders you can fulfill mitzvahs. The intention, the purpose of why the Eivishter brings the Neshama to fall into this world is to fulfill the mitzvahs in action here in this world. It could only be fulfilled here in the land. They have shot us, and it's only possible, only in the borders within this physical world. This is where you can fulfill mitzvahs. And that's why the neshama is here in this world. Now through the neshama coming here below, it fulfills these mitzvahs. So the question really ultimately still remains, Okay, the neshama here in this world could fulfill mitzvahs, but what is, what is the neshama gained by this? What is the, the question is on this itself. Above, the neshama is in the presence of the Abishur, in the highest, holiest place. What's the advantage or in, over that in, here, in being here in this world fulfilling mitzvahs? So the Rebbe says as follows, In addition to the fact, The neshama has a job to be done, even if it's not here to elevate itself, it doesn't gain anything, but the purpose, the real purpose of the neshama entering into this world is to deal with the body, to elevate the body, and the nefesha bahamas, the animal soul of the yid, to refine it and elevate it. That's the purpose of the neshama, even if it doesn't gain anything on its own. Besides that, the truth is, because of a tremendous advantage that there is in the action of the mitzvah, the very action of the mitzvah has a tremendous connection that you form with the Eibishter. Besides the fact that you're dealing with the body and the Nefesh Bahamis, which is the purpose of what the Nisham is doing here. Put that aside for a moment. The very fact that you're doing a physical action of a mitzvah, he mis'alis be'ilui otzum. This brings the neshama to a much greater level, to a much higher place. More than whatever levels it was before it entered into this world. The Rebbe points here to the Alter Rebbe in Tanya Geres HaKedush Simen Chof, where the Alter Rebbe explains that the essence of the Eibishter is here in the, in the action, in the physical. More than any revelations that the neshama experienced in its place above. It's not, it's not here the place to go into the whole length about this, but the very action of the mitzvah brings the neshama to a great elevation. But if so, the question will remain. So if when the neshama falls into this world, and here it fulfills mitzvahs below, the neshama now experiences an elevation. So why are we using this term of tipa that the neshama falls if the neshama enters into this world to get elevated to an even higher place? So the, the, the expression of, like the Rebbe said before, tala should be used to express not the fall of the neshama, but to express the elevation of the neshama, the purpose and the ultimate elevation that the neshama experiences. Rashi. So Rashi tells us that there's something else here, that in this word tipoil we will see dafka in this world an additional thing 
that the neshama gains by being in this world. This land is divided by the geidel. That's why the term nefila is used over here. The hint in this Rashi is as follows. Through the fact that the neshama enters into this world and it gets engaged with working with a gulf, with a body and the animal soul. So now, the experience, the emotional experience of the neshama, it's love for Hashem, the awe for Hashem. It, it falls many levels. It's very far. That the neshama had before it descended below. When the neshama is lamayla, in close proximity to the king, there in the presence of Hashem, with all the great revelations, the love and the awe of the neshama is very intense, very powerful. Here the neshama enters into a body that constrains it, enters into a nefshah Bahamas that has selfish feelings, and the neshama has to deal with that, so it constrains the love and the relationship that the neshama has with the Eibishter. That's the nefilah here. But hine, dafkal yidei it's this challenge and this what the neshama has to deal with, with the experience of the emotions of the gulf and the nefshah Bahamas. Magia, this yet, brings the neshama to an even greater, another advantage the neshama has. Magia la'aveda shalamayla mitam v'das. When you have to deal with such challenges, with such a reality of a gulf and a nefshah Bahamas for the neshama, which is very difficult to deal with, so this, this brings deeper kaiches of the neshama that it has to go beyond reason and logic to be able to connect to the Ebishter, to be forceful, to fight back against the gulf and the nefshah Bahamas, or even not only against, but to elevate the gulf and the nefshah Bahamas, the neshama has to draw from deeper energies. And this concept of the powers of the neshama that's higher than reason and logic is referred to as the geidel of the neshama. Because just like when a person throws a geidel, he suspends his logic, he relies on whatever the lottery will tell him. And that's what he'll do. So the concept of a geidel is where a person suspend, has to suspend his logic and he has to go forward with fulfilling a mitzvah, doing what the Abishta wants with his gulf, in his nefesh Bahamas. That's the power of the neshama that's revealed here in this world. Hainu etzim it's the essence of the neshama that's revealed here in this world. So therefore Rashi uses, the Torah that is, uses this term tipoil to hint to us an additional maila that the neshama gains in the world. So we have over here three things that the Rebbe mentioned. The neshama comes into this world to deal with the guf and nefesh and elevate them, to repair them and elevate them. Then there's the fact, the maisa, the action has an extremely powerful connection to the essence of the Eibishter. And then it also reveals deeper energies within the Neshama. The very essence of the Neshama comes out when it has to overcome all these challenges, and that's the hint of Tipal. Umam Sheikh Rashi, now based on this, the second shot of Rashi is not only a second shot, but it's a continuation in the same theme. So Rashi continues, brought down. The ministers in front of Moshe subdued them in front of Moshe. meaning, through fulfilling the mitzvahs in the land. Fulfilling the mitzvahs in this physical world will take a lot of perseverance. You'll have to go beyond reason and logic. That the geidel, that part of your neshama that's beyond reason, is shining and is, and is, is motivating you to serve the Eibishter, which is the first pshat of Rashi. So then through this, you come to this second pshat, Hine 
Hashem. The Abishu will, will get rid of and bring down any opposition that there is to a Yid. The Moshe that there is in every Yid will, will, will experience this tremendous openness and freedom to be able to fulfill mitzvahs without being disturbed. Oz It'll be easy for a yid that yuchal lichboy shaoretz velasasle is barach dira betachtainim to conquer the land and to make it a dwelling for Hashem. Shaos kol oilam kula yeh bedugmas eretz Yisrael. Then the entire world will be like eretz Yisrael. Sheeine avaya lekechaba. The eyes of the Eibster are upon the land. Mereishes hashana veachreshana from the beginning of all times to the end of all times. The Eibster is there and he makes sure that you can fulfill mitzvahs. And this refers to the entire world, as Chazal tell us, and Eretz Yisrael will be extended in the entire world.